Hello and welcome back to Up Two Minds. I'm joined here today by Patrick. Hi there. Hello. It's been a while. It's been a while. It's almost like we've been talking to each other for an hour now. <laughs> <laughs> All on record. Uh, yes, our pre-podcast discussions always last a good while. To the point where sometimes it's like, hey, I've got to go to bed. <laughs> Can't yeah, do the actual podcast. Tried doing the actual podcast last week and then we kind of... Kind of get out of the way with that. Yeah, it happens. <laughs> so, how was your week? Pretty good. Yeah, I can't complain. Didn't really do much. School work and work, you know. That's kind of the way I'm at. The school year's kicking my butt, but I'm learning a, a decent bit, so I can't complain. No, definitely. It's Genetics almost over. Genetics is pretty cool. Yeah, you're right. Genetics is pretty cool, and physiology is cool, and as we discussed, organic is not cool, and inorganic is cool. So. 50% chemistry and 100% biology is fun. Well, I like organic, so... <laughs> yeah, you're on the opposite edge of the fence there. <laughs> never thought I would like a chemistry course, but hey. I never thought you would either. I was shocked when you said that. I was like, who are you? Right, it's kind of very random. I've honestly said to your brothers, I don't believe I even know him anymore because he used to hate school and now he likes it. What the heck? Like, what's up with Wally's? He's, like, changed. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I, I love learning. Mm. Like, even outside of work, I just love reading different science articles and stuff like that. I just don't like... Yeah. I don't like the exams and the quizzes and the papers and deadlines. and I just want to learn. I just want to yeah. study it. I agree. Just flat learning is a lot more fun. I agree 100%. Okay, so what are we talking about today? We could dive right in if you want. Have a nice, informative, yeah, informative podcast episode. Absolutely, yeah, we're talking about our next on our line of uh, lymphocytes, the eosinophils, or eosinophils, however it's pronounced. Eosinophils, I don't know, I, I, I don't, I've never heard, any, I've heard so many different ways. Yeah, I don't know if that, I don't know if it's just eosinophils, or if that O is enunciated. I think it's eosinophils, but I could be wrong, like, yeah, you know, I don't know. But yeah, so this is our, what, fourth of five so we have one more after this. It's been a little while. This is kind of like a longer episode. Um, but yeah, we got to finish our series and then move on to something else. Absolutely. I think I don't even remember when we started this, to be honest. Yeah, it's been at least a month or two. Three. <laughs> it's been a while. Eosinophil. Eosinophil. So, well, what do you want to just give some, some basic info on what exactly eosinophils are? Absolutely. So there are, just like um, the other ones we talked about, the neutrophils, lymphocytes, and monocytes, they are another type of white blood cell, also known as leukocytes. They, I guess this technically mean they're the fourth most abundant? Yes. Or second to last, I guess would be a better way to put it. <laughs> of the major five. <laughs> oh yeah, the major five that we decided to talk about. So yeah, they're also, they're very, uh, they're effector cells. And they're very short-lived in the immune system. I don't know the exact half-life of them, but... Yeah, all immune cells... I think I read in my, my recent exam studying that white blood cells generally last about 10 days because, like you said, some of them even don't even last that long. Um, like for reference, red blood cells, erythrocytes, last 120 days. So and they don't even have, have a red blood cell. No, they don't. It's actually interesting. Red blood cells will, whenever they're old, 
they don't have a way to make enzymes or make new proteins because they don't have organelles that you know they're just a bag of hemoglobin and enzymes and proteins that exist they don't have any way to make anything else so their cell wall their cell membranes I should say start to get old and crappy and they'll try to get through a capillary and it'll just squeeze them and they'll just explode so that's one way for red blood cells to die I don't feel like that'd be a good way to go out no, so like you're going down a hallway and it's a little bit narrow when you're old and it just squeezes you and you just die. That's basically what happens. Now, without a nucleus, they, so they wouldn't be able to transcribe new proteins like you said, so does that mean they would not be able to go through apoptosis? Or would they have to use uh, like other factors? Like maybe I like... Because they wouldn't... Well, macrophages get them too. So they either kind of blow up on their own if they get squeezed or a macrophage will eat them. <laughs> eat them so yes <laughs> so I don't think they actually go through apoptosis I think it's more just they those two ways they either you know fall apart or they get eaten so either way not a good way to go no I mean at least they can't feel pain so I mean that's true that's true so they're not very abundant in the body whenever we're looking at the grand scheme of things are they now they're like they make up either like between a half and one percent of all the leukocytes. Yeah. So, you know, you think of these, you know, white blood cells. You know, the the big ones that we've covered. You know, those are the ones that account for like the double digits. And it's you know it's I don't know it's kind of like the okay look at phones today. You know how many people in in, in the world have an Android? Okay, like eighty percent. And how many people have an iPhone? Okay, well like eighteen percent. Okay, how many people have anything else? Literally everything else is like 2%. That's all kind of the, the old people here. with their flip phones? Like most of them... What's that? So is that all the old people with their flip phones? I don't know. There's a Motorola flip phone apparently coming out soon, so... Why? Why not? Because <laughs> it's another way to make a phone fold. And people like that. <laughs> Fair yeah, enough. So it's kind of like that, you know. There's not... Like these small ones, like the, you know, the acinophils, the basophils, like there's not really a lot of them. I mean, there's still millions of them within the, the body because, if not billions, because you know cells are everywhere, but they're just nowhere near as prevalent as the other ones. Except whenever during allergic reactions, they do go up, so they get to as much as five percent during allergic reactions, which is interesting. And even higher than that during parasitic infections. Really? Oh wow! See, I always look forward to someday being able to look at like a, a, what do they call it? Like a white blood cell count. I forget what yeah, the exact word for it is. Yeah, I can't remember. It's a word for it. Differential count, that's it. You have differential blood count, and it'll be like, oh, you have this. Oh, you have, you know, cancer, or you have a bacterial infection. Like, that's interesting to see. Just by pure cell counting. Now, if I'm not mistaken, I think in in histology we learned that a lot of times the eosinophils are, you know, because of how rare they are, they're hard to find on those counts. Oh, yeah, I imagine because of that percentage, I mean... So they can be less than one percent. So if you have a hundred, okay. So, you know, if you have hundreds of red blood cells, and you have, you know, say you have one hundred, you're pretty zoomed out. You have one hundred leukocytes. You might not have a single one of these suckers. You know. So yeah. that makes sense. Unless you're unless you go like where there's a you're having an allergic reaction, then that's the best way you can find them. Yeah. So. Make sure that's happening before you take blood. <laughs> or if you, you have like a suckers. parasitic worm, just look in that yeah. area. 
Yeah, you might be up towards 10 then. So they are phagocytic. As we mentioned, they like to eat things. So, um, I guess we can get into a little bit of anatomy on them if you want. you like anatomy? Ah, uh, I mean... It's okay? It's okay. Not my favorite. It's okay. I agree. But anatomy of cells is interesting. It can be, yes. So, I mean, even though histology was interesting, but... Nah, still not my favorite. Still not your favorite? I get you there. So, the basic anatomy tree, then I guess I can do this so it's not as painful for you. Um, <laughs> so we have a single nucleus. So they got one more than red blood cells. No. So the nucleus is in two lobes. So if you look at a picture of one of them, you can kind of see it kind of looks like, I don't know, like two biscuits tied together with a rope. I guess kind of like that, you know, like they're not... I don't know. I don't know how to where, describe it. Where do you get two two biscuits? <laughs> I don't know. It kind of looks like it a deformed Pac-Man. It kind of looks like two kidneys. <clears throat> two kidneys, two biscuits, two drumsticks tied together on end. <laughs> um, animated like enzyme videos kind of looks like those. So yeah, two lobes. That's what we'll look at. Two lobes. So like two socks. So <laughs> um, let's see here. They have they contain about two hundred granules. Yeah, so that makes them granulocytes, which is the type of red blood cells that contain these granules, and these granules are cytotoxic. So they contain uh, different proteins. They have a major basic protein. They have eosinophil cationic protein, cationic protein, eosinophil derived neurotoxin, and eosinophil peroxidase. So these are basically you know, cytotoxic, you know, cell toxic, so that they can be you know, released in order to cause damage to other cells. So, if you have an infection, you know, these cells go, and whenever these granules get released, they cause trouble. So it's kind of like they contain their own little poison. So they have a hematox, let's see, hematoxylin is what it's called, and that's what stains their nuclei purple. So that's why the lobes look like purple biscuits or Pac-Mans or whatever you want to call them. And then the eosin stains, which is how they get their name, so eosin is a type of a staining, and whenever you expose the cells to it, it turns like the, the, uh, the rest of the cell pink. So if you do a proper staining here, they are pink and purple, so that's kind of fun. And the name actually comes from just how much pink is shown. It's come from eosinophil, fill is love, Eosin is the stain, so it, their name translates to eosin loving. So they love eosin so much that whenever they get stained with it, they turn pink. <laughs> so they're not normally present in the skin, so you know they're more you know, deeper throughout the body. But if you have a disease in the right location, it can bring them there. So that's kind of the basic anatomy of an eosinophil. So small have cytotoxic proteins and they stain purple and pink. This is the takeaway there and they have two lobe nucleus. Compare mm, that to whatever two, you want. Two biscuits tied together. Two biscuits tied together with you, the rope. You come up with the weirdest analogies. I know. I, <laughs> why stop? You know, that's my thing on this podcast. Yeah, right. Hey, why not? You're right. Someone's going to be in a classroom and be like, does anyone know what an eosinophil nucleus looks like? Someone's going to be like, yeah, it looks like two biscuits tied together. <laughs> with a rope and they're going to be like what are you talking about and they'll explain and their professor will fail them because they're stupid <coughs> excuse me so yeah 
So, so what else? What about the maturation? Would you rather talk about that than the anatomy? Yeah, I'm fine. The anatomy's I don't All know. Right. Never That's really fine. cared for anatomy. I haven't taken it, so I wouldn't know. <laughs> I've avoided most of that. I took it in high school. Oh, that's a different story. That's a more chill. No, it was it was for college credit though, if that counts for anything. Well, there you go. You get your big boy points then. Absolutely. <laughs> so yeah, so these, what about the maturation? Uh, like most of the other ones, they uh, they develop in the bone marrow, and they spend eight days in there, and then they'll spend uh, eight to twelve hours circulating in the vessels. And when they're circulating in the vessels, that's when they would be looking for, you know, like parasitic worms or other types of parasites or allergic reactions, stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And then eventually, if they have to, they'll move into the tissue and then they'll spend one to two weeks in their destination tissue. And then uh, interleukin-5 is the major growth factor for them. Interesting. So I learned a couple things about this. We just had a exam on blood and physiology and interleukins for people that don't know are chemical messengers that go from one white blood cell to another white white blood cell so you might have heard of cytokines so these are kind of like special cytokines that only go from one leukocyte to another leukocyte and it's interesting to see that there you have different have you heard of like the different types of bone marrow like red and yellow yeah the yellow is just uh, pretty much adipose fat tissue yeah, so yellow is adipose, you know, no um, hemoglobin in them, whereas the red bone marrow is active, as opposed to inactive, yellow. So the active has the hemoglobin, and it's actually where they come from. So some of your bones, some of them, you know, have different, you know, embryologies as you get older. But one of the common features as you become an adult, some of your bones stop being active in their bone marrow, and like the centers of the bones won't do it anymore and only the ends are active so the centers of a lot of your bones are adipose fat and the ends of them are where these cells actually come from which is interesting you see actually the interesting thing is too is um, with good diet and exercise you can actually stop or reverse your bone marrow from turning to fatty tissue see I've heard of that with if it needs to it can turn back but I didn't know you could actually do it yourself that's pretty cool with I think with like adequate exercise you know something I don't do Oh, that's fair. But you're actually, because when you're born, all of your bone marrow is red bone marrow. Because your body needs to make all these new cells, and they need to get all this blood and everything like that. Mm -hmm. And then as you age, it slowly drops down. It's like everything else. <laughs> Getting old sucks. It does. Take away message. <laughs> Don't get old. <laughs> Don't get old. <coughs> Excuse me. So... Uh, function of these buggers, I guess we can move on to the more interesting part. Uh, so they are involved in inflammatory allergic reactions. Um, they assist in organ formation, which is kind of interesting. So I didn't know that. They, that is pretty interesting. That is. I didn't know they had any form in that. Um, they promote plasma cell survival. And plasma cells are actually interesting on their own. We should have to do a podcast on these someday. Yeah, they're just uh, effector B cells. Yeah. So... Plasma cells, um, oh, I'm thinking of something else, never mind. But we definitely should, sorry about that, I was thinking of platelets, it's late, and my brain just kind of flew together. Um, <laughs> that's happens, there's too many P words. So, um, plasma cells, when the B cells are presented, or not presented, I'm sorry, when the B cells come into contact with uh, antigen, mm -hmm. 
they'll actually become, well, a subset of them will become plasma cells, which are the effector cells. And then they start producing massive amounts of antibodies against that and that uh, that antigen. And then the yeah. other subset will become memory B cells that we already know how to make the antigen just, or I'm sorry, the antibody just in case the antigen's ever found again. That's interesting. Thank you for picking that up because I was on the <laughs> wrong page completely. <laughs> oh no, you're good. Yeah, those memory cells they, they'll actually last your entire life with you. That's interesting. They're the ones in cartoons that if you watch any videos about cells of the wizards. <laughs> the wise old farts. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking I was saying I was starting to say that they get presented, but I'm pretty sure it's the yeah, the T cells are the ones that actually get presented antigen. Yeah, they so, like the B cells like show them. Yeah, the B cells, the macrophages and the uh begins with the D. Dendritic cells. All three dendritic, of those that's it. And I think there's a couple others that can if they're forced to, but those yeah. three are the main ones that actually will go and present it to T cells. See, this is something I've been learning about in uh, immunology, about like how it's presented to the T cell. And there's like there's MHC class one and MHC class two, and depending on which one the T cell has, yeah, will depend on what it can compatibility do. Protein. Yeah. I know what those mean. <laughs> <laughs> and that can, that can determine whether it's uh, it, cause it's CD4 or CD8 positive T cells. Mm -hmm. See, we could do a whole podcast just on like T cells and B cells. You're right, without any ever to other topics. <laughs> Which technically we did kind of cover, because um, T cells are just uh, lymphocytes, and we already covered those, but we could even go in more yeah. depth just on the T cells. And I think, are B cells also lymphocytes, or are they something different? Yeah, B lymphocytes. Okay, so they are. Yeah. Well, speaking of your T cells, so these guys also regulate T helper and T regulatory balance. So, so they do everything. That kind of ties it together with what you're talking about. Yeah, they are, and they regulate glucose tol tolerance of the adipose tissue, and they produce some growth factors whenever tissue gets damaged. Uh, they are involved in beta glucan, so they're activated by beta glucan. I believe that's a substituent of a fungal. Cell membrane is that is that correct? That one I'm not sure on to be honest. But they are involved in fungal infections. So you said above that they are you know you get more of them in your body when you have a parasite. So same thing with fungal. Um, they move to inflamed areas based on chemokines. So which are a family chemical. of cytokines. Yes, so chemical cytokines kind of things. Yeah, they're the uh, so the signaling molecules. Yeah. So there's a few different ones of those. Uh, there's CCL11, CCL24, CCL26. I, you know, there's no sense really getting into all those because, let's be honest here, we're not like biochemists. Yeah, I don't. So we don't totally know what they are. Yeah. But <laughs> it's for people that are, or for people that want to look it up. There you go. You could there's even just search like raw. chemokines associated with eosinophils, and I'm sure you could probably find entire research papers devoted to these things. There you go. So you could also look up the promotion of chemokine receptors, which involve CCR3. And so they primary they travel through the primary and secondary lymph organs, and these include the thymus, the spleen, and obviously the various lymph nodes that lymph likes to accumulate throughout the body. So a quick side note, the lymphatic system is it has a few different purposes. You know, it transports fat around the body. Um, it's involved in immune response, and it's also involved in bringing fluid back to the tissues that leaks out. So that second one that I said is kind of here because it, you know, it offers a collection 
of basically says, all right, we're gonna have something called a lymph node. We're gonna have a party, and a ton, ton of white blood cells are invited. Like all you guys bring your friends and let's go, and they just sit there and they just party and they just kill stuff. That's basically <laughs> what happens. Plus the spleen helps uh, filter your blood. The spleen's pretty nasty. Like the spleen does a lot. We should do an episode on the spleen too. It's a really interesting organ that I feel like it's overlooked. Exactly. It sadly does. But so. like, there's so much to it, like the reticular fibers, the there's sorry, reticular cells. I don't remember. I don't think that's what they're called, but something like that. Real uh, interesting stuff. It is. I I like that stuff. We definitely need to get into the spleen more and its anatomy and function. And then even like the thymus, and I'm pretty sure it's thymus is that in your throat area or in your Right down below it. I can't remember. Thymus gland? I think it's in your throat. Let me look that up, though, because I should know where that is. I like endocrine stuff. I took a class on endocrinology, so I probably should know that. It is. It's, like, right dead center, like, above your pec line. Okay. So, I don't know what line that's called. I want to say medial, but it's, like, behind, located behind your sternum and between your lungs. Only active until puberty. That's interesting. Source, endocrineweb.com. Thank you, endocrineweb.com. Okay, so anything else we should know about these little harmful little buggers in the body? Good harmful? Yeah, so um, we were saying like they uh, they have a role in trapping pathogens, which is kind of why they are uh, the phagocytic part of it. Mm. They just trap them and then phagocytize them. Yeah, within their cytotoxic granules, destroying things. It's rude. But it is. <laughs> um, killing cells, they also do that, so I guess that means like would that be like more along the lines of like damaged cells? It's kind of like the same job as a macrophage, or are we talking? Yeah. I mean, technically, they kill them from engulfing them. So, I think that's their main way of function. And it's hard to say because these immune cells they they act so many different ways, and we don't totally know a lot about them as much as we could. No, oh, absolutely. Like, I don't know about you, but that's irritating whenever I get to like an Ivis like. $80 textbook written by, you know, some guy's name I can't pronounce. Um, <laughs> you know, that's like 17th edition. And it says, the mechanism of action is not entirely understood, but scientists suspect blah, 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 blah. It's like, okay. So I bought this book, and you're telling me that we don't know? Like, I paid to like learn get this it. stuff. Yeah, like, I get it. Okay, okay. Like, I, I should be the... Oh, I'm going to go out and find that answer. I should be inspired scientist. But, you know, what the heck? Like, don't put this stuff in there. Like, that just bugs me, you know? No, oh, I agree completely. Yeah, it's like, I don't, I don't want to hear about stuff that we don't know about. Tell me what we do know about. I get it. You have to put that stuff in. But, man, it drives me nuts. <laughs> anyway, continue. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, you're good. So we were talking Side about um, they have the anti-parasitic activity, like we said, and uh, they would be involved in like nematode infections, which are like I said, is a parasitic worm. I think it's actually a uh, round worm. Okay. So I'm not 100% sure on their exact involvement of that. I, I'd imagine it's kind of similar, like they probably just start stripping away at it and killing it. Mm -hmm. But I'm not sure there. Um, they have antibactericidal activity. So once again, they, are, they can phagocytize bacteria. And, you know, technically, if you think about it, 
bacteria would almost be a type of like parasitic infection because they're coming into your body, mm. taking what they want, doing what they want. Yeah, so they're they're very involved in in that, you know. Which that's like the biggest issue of the immune system is people, you know, well not people, but other cells trying to take advantage of our stuff. And I've heard of one that whenever you have a cold or an infection, the body will actually sequester iron. It'll like hide it so that the foreign cells can't use it, which is pretty interesting. It's really rude. Yeah, so that's like someone robs a bank and the <laughs> boss sees it from his office and he like grabs like a stack of money and he just skirts out the back and leaves. <laughs> and it's like, guess what? You ain't getting it. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. Absolutely. So, they're involved in allergic reactions, as we're saying here, which can be harmful. Um, you know, a good example of that is, you know, whenever you look at like asthma, you get lots of histamine released and you know, it kinda starts to close your airways, that's not good. So, you know, similar things can happen here whenever you have allergic reactions, it can go way too far and your body can try to harm itself, which isn't good. And they also modulate inflammatory responses. So, as I said, inflammation is a good sign that there's a, a harmful reaction going on inside your body. So they can help modulate that and make it worse or make it less worse. And, yeah, anything else to note about these guys? Um, To go off of what you just said, actually, I feel like the inflammation would actually play a role in why it's harmful for allergic reactions because these guys respond yeah. to chemokines and chemokines are actually actually a pro-inflammatory molecule well there you go so as i can't remember the exact cells that release these chemokines but as they release them in response to an allergic reaction or something else they actually cause that inflammation and then yeah. that'll draw on these guys and if there's too many chemokines it can just cause more issues it's interesting to, to study inflammatory reactions because it's really a good mechanism of the body because you know just just take for example if you cut your finger and it's a deep cut and it starts to get infected and your your hand's gonna swell up to try to stop blood flow from moving around your body and then we'll take a hand of histamine which you know like a you know Tylenol or whatever and to get the to get down and it's like so we don't want to feel that inflam inflammation like whenever you have a cold or whatever and your sinuses are all swelled up and all that we don't want to feel it because it makes us sound awful and feel awful but it's really just your body trying to trap stuff in one area oh it is I think there's four like trademarks of inflammation it's like heat uh -huh. redness swollen I can't think of that look these up and we literally just had an exam on this and I had to know all four of them I know it's heat, redness, pain, and something else. Let's find it here. Okay, so we got pain, heat, redness, and swelling. Okay. Got them all. There you go. Between the two of us. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, and then um, there's some receptors associated with these, which is like the CCR3, which is the the cytokine or the chemokine receptor you were talking about that it'll respond to cytokines, chemokines and lipid mm. mediators and that's pretty much how the cell knows where to go like it gets a cytokine, finds this 
chemokine, which is attached to the receptor, which then does like a cascade effect through a signaling pathway in the cell, and mm-hmm. pretty much that's what allows the cell to know what to do. Receptors are they're really found everywhere throughout the body, and they're, they're these are the, the big difficult things that professors show people like Wally and I, and we get sad that we have to memorize them, and even more sad whenever they're on an exam. But whenever you think of a receptor, it's you know, if if the cell is your house, here we go with these analogies. I don't know why I do this. <laughs> but if the cell is your house, and you know, the receptor is like your porch, you know, and it's like, you know, the mailman, it's like getting a really stinky package. But it's really important. So, like, you get a package in the mail, so it it, it comes on your porch, so it's in your receptor, and you recognize that it's there, but you're not taking it in because it stinks. But you know it's there. So you adjust accordingly inside because you're like, okay, this package, you know, this is this is my package from my workplace saying that, you know, I I made it past the uh you know, the the ten year mark or whatever, they're giving me an award and a pay raise. Okay, great. But it stinks because I don't know, they dumped it in like rotten eggs or something. So you're gonna adjust your life accordingly. Buy a new car and all that. The changes happen. But you never actually bring it in. And that's the same thing with them. Like, if something binds to a receptor, it doesn't always get brought into the cell. It sometimes can just stay there, and then things happen within. Yeah, so essentially it'll yeah. bind, and then that'll cause maybe, like, a change for the receptor. Maybe the other end of it will change the formation, which will then allow another chemical to bind. And then that chemical can get another chemical, which gets another chemical, and it's just, there's a lot. It just it's a cascade and it you know as it goes down, you know, you make one chemical, two chemicals, six chemicals, eighteen, you know I should say one, two, four, eight, you know, and so forth. You know, it kinda like goes it cascades down and it gets amplified. And, so Yeah, and then eventually it pretty much will Yeah. It'll uh initiate like a transcription factor which will then go in the nucleus to make proteins that that original chemical is telling the cell to make. Right, and then there's also nuclear receptors, which it might get past. Like for instance, a, li- a lot of lipid-based things can do that, because it can get through the plasma membrane. So it'll get through the membrane of the cell, and then it'll bind to a receptor, you know, in the nuclear region, so that it's even that much more closer. And those ones, whatever happens there, often is just a direct change in transcription, translation processes, you know. Exciting. And that's the same way we were just talking about like apoptosis. That's the same way that apoptosis occurs. Usually it's a chemical, re- chemical on the surface mm-hmm. that tells the cell to go kill itself. I mean, it's a lot more complicated, but that's... Yeah, in essence. It's essentially just something telling it, hey, you, you suck, go, go die. Yeah, that's, it's sad, but it, it's what cells do. It is. So the last little fact on these is the cytotoxic um, granules that I mentioned earlier. Uh, the proteins within them, uh, some of them, they will actually hinder protein synthesis. So this is kind of similar to some antibiotics. Like Some certain antibiotics will work by hindering bacteria from making proteins. And it's kind of like if they can't make proteins, they can't survive real well and things happen. Or you get a lot of crappy proteins or misfolded proteins that come up within the cell and that just causes issues too. When we're talking about, like, the cell-making proteins, that's actually kind of what happens. Like, the DNA gets red, and then it gets turned into a an RNA molecule, which can then leave the nucleus. 
and then that RNA will go to what they call a ribosome. And then that ribosome reads it, and then it builds a chain of amino acids, which then creates the protein that that DNA was coding for. CDOB, what's that mean, Walter? CDOB. Yeah, CDO, CD of B. I have no idea. CD of B. DNA to RNA to protein. Central. Central dogma of biology. Oh, oh, okay. I never heard that. I, don't know if I never heard it, like, in an acronym form. Oh, yeah, I just said that to try to get it out of here because my professors beat that into me. Like, every every bio class basically starts with that. This is a, it's like it later mentioned somewhere. It's like, this is a central dogma of biology. Oh, like, I've heard that reverse like a transcriptase, but this doesn't work. <laughs> I've never heard someone actually say C, D, of B before. I was so confused. I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I figured. I was like, he knows it. I just being, he just can't get it out of my mouth because I don't make sense. <laughs> But yes, anytime we ever talk about like a protein or anything like that, that's how it becomes about. So I'd imagine if something's inhibiting protein synthesis, it has to be along there somewhere. Somewhere it's mm -hmm. stopping one of those steps. Whether it's stopping the the small and the is it called large subunit? I can't remember. Yes, yeah, small and large are okay. small subunits. I can remember, I knew it was small, but I couldn't remember if it was large or not. I couldn't remember what the heck they called it. <sighs> yep, you got it. Large. See ya. Well, that's about it for eosinophils. So we hope this gives everybody a good idea what they are and what they do. Because you got lots of them throughout your body, but relatively speaking, you don't have that many. But they do play an important role. So if you ever had, like, an allergic reaction, they were there to help you. Yeah. So you can't beat that. Sources for the information. We had CincinnatiChildrens.org. We had Immunology.org. We had News-Medical.net. We had GeneCards.org and ScienceDirect. So, if you have any other questions about eosinophils, feel free to drop us a comment on a post on our Instagram page or send us an email of twobindscast at gmail.com. Absolutely. And, yeah. and then we got one more after this. We're going to talk about uh, basophils next. Yeah, I got basophils. And then, yeah, we have a lot of different topics because protein synthesis would be another good one. So That'd we'll be a really start cool one. Through our old show notes here and just going through and just taking some. Yeah, we're going to have to like make a list of different topics we want to discuss. Yeah, and just check them off. Absolutely. The master list. <laughs> and then right before we started recording, me and him were talking about we're going to try to set up like a blog or something like that so we can talk about different things throughout the week. That way, because sometimes our podcast isn't really always regular, except during yeah, the summer like, when we have nothing better to do. <laughs> That's true. Summer's boring, but fine. Yeah, I was going to mention the same thing. So what I what I kind of like to... My vision for it is to kind of have it more... Less informative than the podcast, but more on um, lifestyle. And I'd like to maybe try to, to alternate between the two of us of doing kind of like day-in-the-life slash updates. Just short little blurbs of things that just feature a little bit of knowledge and a little bit of like a day in our lives because... It's a lot of people don't understand what it it means to do things with biology, and I think that would give people a better understanding. And you know, I I see a lot of people lately that you know don't do well in science in high school, or they don't care, and then they never give it another thought. 
and people will get to be 50 or 60 years old and they, they don't care about science and I'm just like it kills me because it's like how does science not enter your mind every day like it does me no and that's so. the main reason like I started like brain reason I wanted to go to school for science because like I would see different things out in the world like something as simple as leaves or the sky being blue or the wind blowing and I'd want to know why how how does this work why is this doing this yeah. like different things yeah. like that and that's what really got me into science because science tells me how yeah and I just I want to I want to create more of an open door for people to see what you know what it's like to be a biologist you know what it's like to be a biology student and ecology you know hopeful a med hopeful you know kind of see what we do in our daily life and along with that I mean we'll, we'll put the podcast information on there um, we can do you know little topics talking about some news and some findings and things like that and just to kind of have a outlet of you know you don't want to listen to us well you can read us so yeah please. then we can post the link to the blog on like the Facebook website or even in probably in the description of our podcast videos I'd imagine yeah just spread it around so you guys have multiple different ways to to experience us and yeah it'll be some sort of combination of you know of two minds cast I'll call them of sorts we're gonna start writing and get used to it and then hopefully get ourselves a good domain name soon and go from there yeah and hopefully that'd be pretty interesting yeah I'm excited too I like writing I don't I don't write as much as I used to and I miss it sometimes because well, when I do write it's all just lab reports and it's like I, I wish I could write for fun well I can understand that so yeah and then eventually we were also I guess last week talking about eventually trying to maybe do like the podcast overlaid on like us streaming like a video game or something like that mm-hmm. that way people could either watch us live as we play and ask us questions live and then we could dis- extract the audio and post it like we do now yeah I was thinking the same thing Wally had this idea and I was like that wouldn't be too bad just to kind of you know give something else so basically what we're saying here is you know we're a podcast now and we're going to be a blog soon and hopefully we're going to start doing video content in the future and then after that we're going to hopefully be actually doing science and having our own lives in science and then we'll see where it goes yeah I would definitely really like to see this thing grow though that's my big goal for it yeah I just I, I want to see you know I, I look stuff up and you know I listen to a lot of podcasts relatively speaking I, I should listen to more but I try to and I watch a lot of videos on YouTube and I try to read a lot, and I just, there's not really good outlets for some of this stuff. You know, there's a lot of amazing podcasts, but they're not always topic-based, and it's just, you know, I want to see people that just want to get an intro into science that enjoy stuff, and I want to see people that don't understand science, and I want to see them come into it and start asking questions, because that's what it's all about. Yeah, and that's a lot of how we structured this, though, because the way we structured this is we try to make it, we try to explain things a little bit better. Yeah. Like, not just mainly, not just for, like, a science-based community, but for yeah. people who don't know that much. So they can hopefully listen to our podcast and maybe learn from it. And then if we eventually start streaming, you could tune in. And if we're talking and you don't understand something, you could ask us right then and there, and then we can explain it a little bit better for you. Yeah, we'd like to do that, definitely. And, you know, it's, it's kind of like what you were saying, you know. Okay, so... What do we have here? We have CCR 11, 24, 26, you know, CCR 3. All these, like, letters and things. 
it, no, it's not that much effort for us to look them up, and we can understand them and know what they do in a matter of you know thirty seconds apiece, and to a to a decent extent. But you know, we're not going to be experts on them in the time it takes to prepare a podcast episode, because people will dedicate their entire lives to understanding how these things work. But likewise, you know, we want to mention them for people that do understand them. But you know, we don't want to bore people with, you know, what does each of these letters mean? What do they do? What do they interact? No, people. You know, if you want to learn that, you can you can look it up, or you know, we can do an episode on it. But you know, we don't want to bore people with knowledge and just numbers and things. You know, we want to actually get people interested and see what these things do in your body. You know. Yeah, because these things, biology is life. I mean. Yeah. It's you know we don't want to sit here and just ramble about a bunch of random facts. You know, we want it to be more open for everybody. And hey, if you know everything about science and. You want to listen to anyway? Absolutely. Get a refresher on this stuff, or send us some ideas, and we'd be happy to go to more advanced topics. Absolutely, yeah. And, and if you want, yeah. we're always looking to change and grow. So if anybody has any ideas of what we can do differently, what you would like to see, just let us know. Feel free. All right, that's that's a pretty good place to end it there for the week. I think that's a lot of info and a lot of new stuff to announce. It is. Hopefully, we can. Get that blog up and going and see how that will yeah. go. That would be pretty interesting, I think. Yeah, I'm going to try to write the first post from bed tonight, and I'll send it to you and see what you think, and we'll start uploading this week sometime. Sounds good, and hopefully we can get together again next week if it's not too busy. No, I hope so. All right, well, it's been a fun podcast, Walter. I thank you. Yes, sir, thank you. And I will talk to you throughout the week, and maybe we'll get together next weekend. We can. We'll be Are here we? next week. All right. Sounds good. All right. Farewell, Walter. Have a good one. You too. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.